Hello again, everybody. This is John Norris at Trading Perspectives. As always, I have my good friend, Sam Clement. Sam, say hello. Hey, John. You doing okay today? I'm doing awesome. You looking forward to this weekend? I am. Now, it's not going to be anywhere near as much fun as Sam's last weekend was. Sam, why don't you tell the crowd? I was exactly. out, in, out in Salt Lake doing a little snowboarding. Hey, not even snow skiing. You're doing snowboarding. No, I'm a snow, I snowboard. Wait, you snowboard? Yep. Yeah, well, I, I can't even do that. And, you know, it's kind of, I can't do any of it. I've been on skis a few times in my life, and I have a hard time staying up. You know, Sam, I'm going to think it's unfair that you are a better athlete than I am. What do you think about that? That is a little unfair. All right. Well, you might be, well, you kind of look at me like, well, what, what, what are you talking about here? I'm going to tell you, uh, everybody, I've been sitting around reading the news recently, and it seems as though a lot of people out there in our society, not just, not just over the last week, but increasingly this sort of zeitgeist, if you will, Sam, uh, or prevailing court of public opinion, what have you, is more, focusing more and more on reducing inequalities, which is a noble aim right. I mean, for all, all intents and purposes. Sounds great. Yeah, sounds fantastic. Reducing inequalities. And this past week, I've seen uh, any number of people, uh, primarily from the from the left side of the aisle, talk about things like, gosh, Sam, I heard, I heard 70% uh, marginal uh, income tax rates. Yeah. Um, what were some other ones that, that, that you've seen? I mean, I've, I've seen any number of them. Um, I've seen... Generally, the overall theme is we need to tax significantly more. And the, the message is always we need to tax more for the government. We need to tax more for the government. We need to redistribute wealth more efficiently throughout right. the society using government as the mechanism for redistributing wealth as opposed to the business climate. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of it. Oh, yeah. I've seen increasingly more of it. And I'm, unfortunately, I think we're going to be hearing more and more of this moving forward as I think our society is less enamored with the free enterprise system and capitalism just in general. Right. Uh, I know when I was growing up, and, and I'm a great deal older than Sam, um, 50, Sam is, are you 23 yet? 22 still. 22. Um, it, it was business people and business corporate America were generally lauded. That's what people aspired to be. I dare say that might not be the same message that society is sending out our younger people these days, at least not to the same degree that it did when I was a kid. But in any event, you know, I was I was indoctrinated, and you do have to be indoctrinated into just about anything, that capitalism and free enterprise was the best way of generating wealth, even if it did lead to some inequalities and in how that wealth right. is distributed. You know, one way I kind of hear about this a lot now in the news, and I'm not really going to debate the validity of it in some instances, but you see people complaining about the salaries of CEOs mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And I think a lot of times it is a, you know, pretty accurate statement. Sometimes well, some, of them, are, some of them are overpaid. Okay. But my point is that you're hearing that so much more now. Well, the thing is, I, I saw I saw an article today about one of the CEOs of a Fortune 500, S&P 500 type type company, publicly traded firm, making an outrageous amount of money. And you and I have talked about this. I have a hard time imagining how a board of directors can justify the salaries and options, total packages for some of these people who do a little bit, little little more than push paper around. They're not necessarily the people that took the risk to create the company. They're just simply in the seat. At a given point in time. Right. And they're, yet they're getting paid mountains of money. I understand that. However, what I hate to see are the headlines that say CEOs. CEOs just in general. Yeah. <laughs> as opposed to qualifying what they mean by CEO. Um, 
certain CEOs, if I take the top 10 highest paid CEOs, that's one thing. If I take S&P 500 uh, CEOs, that's something else. If I take Russell 3000, and you see where I'm going with this, if you take all the people whose title is either chief executive officer, president, senior managing director, what have you, you add that all up, it's not the same numbers. Right. It's not even close. And yet we we being bombarded with CEOs make just tremendous amounts. Now you can go to you go to some I mean I mean a hot dog stand. And see you can have a CEO or a president or owner or something like that. I guarantee you they're not making ten million bucks. Right. <laughs> uh, so it all depends on what we're talking about. Now in any event, all this talk about inequality and the inequality of income and whatnot, I'm afraid it's going to it's going to shift the discussion away from a quality of opportunity in the eyes of the law to the equality of outcome right. as mandated by law. Right. And when I was thinking about this and reading all this, I, I read something outrageous that I thought, I'm not going to name any names or whatever. I just went, my gosh, what, what's the end game here? And I was thinking about something, and it was a short story by Kurt Vonnegut called Harrison Bargeron. And it's a wonderful little story. If you've never, never read it, I would highly encourage you to go out there and Google or Bing or whatever your favorite search engine is. I guess I've got to be an equal opportunity endorser, although I'm not, not trying to endorse. Uh, Harrison Bergeron, B is in boy, E-R-G-E-R-O-N. It's a wonderful short story. I'm just going to read you the first paragraph. You're going to indulge me, Sam? Let's hear it. Kind of looking like I'm crazy here today. The year was 2081. That's not that far away, Sam. It's really not. It's really not. Was that uh, 62 like 62 years. years. You know, I mean, you'll probably still be alive. So, Hope so. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, 84. Uh, so when you're, when you're bouncing your grandson on your knee, this is how it's going to be, all right? The year was 2081, and everyone was finally equal. They weren't only equal before God and the law. They were equal every which way. Nobody was smarter than anybody else. No one was better looking than anybody else. No one was stronger or quicker than anyone else. All this equality was due to the 211th, 212th and 213th amendments to the Constitution and to the unceasing vigilance of agents of the United States Handicapper General. You know, my first thought with that is the government must be getting a lot more efficient if they're getting to constitutional <laughs> amendment 211, uh, 12, 13. See, they maybe not teaching civics to you. Know, <laughs> that's, uh, you know, only the states can ratify that type of stuff. A number of states have to pass that type of thing. But 211, 212th, and 213th, where are we now? People now? must agree a lot more in 2081 than they do right now <laughs> if we're getting... Well, if you uh, read the remainder of the story, anyone that's more attractive than what's considered the average has to wear a hideous mask. Anyone that is more more athletic has to wear right. you know, weights. And, and the thing about it is what you read in the story is it's almost impossible to make people equal because in order to make people equal, you can't bring everyone up. You have The much more effective way is to bring people down. Right. And so when we're talking about more equality in the distribution of wealth or whatever service it is, it's almost impossible to ensure that everyone's going to get brought up. So if it has to be equal, people have to be brought down. Right. And that, in my opinion, would assume that there are a lot of people out there who are now in positions of authority and positions of being able to spread their word, if you will, 
that don't understand just very basics of economics that would assume that economics is a zero sum game. Right. Where the pie is finite and it's just we're just cutting it up and cutting it up in little smaller pieces. pieces. As opposed to understanding that the US economy, the free enterprise system, capitalism, is all is predicated on an ever growing pie. Right. And another thing that's worrisome about this story is towards the end of it you see the people that are... <laughs> I mean, the, they shoot Harris. Yeah, I mean, but the, oh, the other people... They, 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 we'll read the story. Yeah, but his parents come to grow and accept, especially his dad, who they say is an above-average intelligence yeah. person. He starts to think this is better. He actually says in the story that where we're at now is better than mm. where we were previously. That's a little worrisome. Well, it is a little bit worrisome. Thinking um, of people coming to accept that and coming to think that really is better. Well, and it, it is worrisome. And, and part of the reason why it is worrisome is because um, we're not, I'm not going to sit there and say capitalism doesn't have its faults. Um, but wherever we have tried to ensure the equality of outcomes, what it has generally done is ensured unfair distribution as those people who are more productive, more marketable, smarter, I'm just going to say it, more clever than average it doesn't matter what society you're in. It doesn't matter if you're in the Stone Age society. They will generally have more than people who are less than they are. Right. But that doesn't mean that things are rigged against people. It just means that, unfortunately, not everyone is necessarily created equal in terms of economic capability. Right. But it's almost a necessity. Without that, why would anyone have any desire to go get smarter, go become a better athlete, just anything like that. Well, it's well, you're right. If there is no if there's no incentive to do this type of thing or that the incentive is greatly diminished, then all of a sudden you'll see less of that. It's kind of like if you take a look at uh, if we capped cardiology salaries. Let's say a cardiologist could make no more than I don't know, 10 times the per capita income. It's just some number that might sound great on paper, Sam. That number would be around $550,000, which is a fortune right. to a lot of folks. I'm not going to say that it isn't. But to a top-flight cardiologist, $550,000 is about a third of a year. Yeah. <laughs> so if that is the most they can make, or either by capping it or by taxing every additional dollar over a certain amount at some predetermined level that disincents them to perform more surgeries, is that cardiologist going to, to going to do more surgeries or less if their pay is capped? Well, of course they're going to do less. That's and, a stressful job, it seems like. <laughs> so that's when I, when I hear people talk about 70% marginal taxes on whatever number. And, and granted, this, this individual is talking about for every dollar over $10 million. Right. Um, and it's hard to I mean, hard to me sit there and read that and go, oh, I mean, of course, anyone thing over $10 million, no one's worth taking, all that stuff. And you kind of think about it, you know, just your heart goes, yeah, that doesn't make any, doesn't make any sense. It's when your brain starts thinking about it from an economic perspective. Okay, we do this at $10 million. Okay, what about the next one? Right. What about the next one? And I'm going to tell you, Sam, people that make over $10 million a year, if they do something like that, guess what? They're going to find more loopholes than you can shake right. a stick at. They ain't going to pay that tax. People get paid today to find loopholes in <laughs> tax system. Um, please remember that we do offer trust services here at <laughs> Oakworth Capital Bank, so that is certainly part of the game. I guess where I'm going with all this is we need to be very careful in society to try to make outcomes equal. Right. No one. I, I don't know a single person that wants you know people to be poor. 
you know that 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 thinks the vast disparity of the uh, in, uh, you know, income inequality is fantastic. So they were high fiving each other. Yeah, you know I don't think anyone's saying that. However, instead of focusing on bringing people down, which is what the current discussion is, right. as it was in Harrison Bargeron, that's what Kurt Vonnegut is saying, that's the only way to truly, truly make people equal, instead of focusing on equality of outcomes, let's focus on equality of opportunities, and we do that by spending more money in more efficient ways for those people on the lower end of the economic spectrum to become better skilled in the 21st century right. economy. Which I told you this before we start recording, but I think it's so interesting that Vonnegut's the one writing this story when he basically associated with Socialist Communist Party. I mean, he commonly quoted candidates in the U.S. that would run for president under the Communist Party. It is kind of it is kind of funny. And so it makes you wonder what he's really thinking if he's kind of. <laughs> I mean, I, I've seen you've seen contradicting pictures of himself. Vonnegut. I mean, you've seen pictures of Vonnegut. I think a lot of strange thoughts went through his head. I'm sure. That's a pretty strange story, but it's a fantastic story. But the thing that I I think really why I drove home, why I was thinking about it is because really over the last, you know, couple decades, I've started to see this sort of societal shift in mindset more towards this way of thinking as opposed to assuming that the economy is a finite pie, a zero-sum game, if you will as opposed to understanding that the more wealth you generate throughout society, even if it is sometimes unfairly, in someone's estimation, distributed, more wealth in society is almost always, not almost always, better than less wealth in society. Right. And when you disincent wealth creation, it's never, it's not going to work out good for society as a whole. Right. I mean, you look at... We both know the Gini Index, which kind of measures income inequality it's across countries. It has nothing to do with uh, you know, Barbara Eden and I Dream of Gini. Right. Like <laughs> you have to be a certain age to get that one. But if you look where the U.S. is on it and you look at some of the countries that are perfectly equal as far as the Gini Index goes, I don't think many people there wouldn't trade places with someone yeah. in the United States. So, you know, it's – yeah. I mean, I, I can't argue with you on that. I Almost mean, all there. I mean, there is some examples of countries where they're pretty equal, yet it's good social, <laughs> good living conditions. But for the most part, you look at the countries that are just completely and, equal. And, and those societies are also generally in a more con- contained geographic space. Right. Oftentimes more homogenized. Right. Less resources. Less resources and fewer people. Yeah. You know, people hearing that would say, well, Singapore, and that's not racially homogenized or demographically homogenized. No, but the geographic location and, and, and all of it. Right. And it's a relatively small population size. So I have another question for you. Mm-hmm. Do you think capitalism is kind of becoming old news to a lot of people? It seems like you see that just in society in general. People are just looking for something new, whether it's working or not. I mean, you see it. I mean, I think of when I bring that up, I think of sports. You see someone who should be getting the MVP every year. They are the best player, but people are looking for something new. They want to switch it up, whether or not the new person is the MVP or not. You know, Sam, I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to do a I'm rubber, you're glue. What you say bounces off me and sticks to you. And ask that question of you. Because I want to tell you, people my age and people of older would sit there and say, how could you ever get tired of capitalism? And that is because we were, the society indoctrinated you into it far more so than people your age. So you tell me, are people your age more 
are looking for other op- uh, options out there. The, thir- the third rail. I'd a, say they a are. A different way. Yeah, I definitely think they are. And what what would that look like? Or is that maybe a discussion for another time? Well, I think a lot of people, younger people, haven't really seen the effects of non-capitalist countries as much as people older have. Well, I mean, and, and you hit on a very valid point, and we're, we're getting fried up against uh, quitting time. I think the reason why capitalism today and why we're discussing all this stuff, equality of outcome, is you're absolutely right. When I was growing up, there was a common enemy, and that common enemy was communism. And so we did everything we could to indoctrinate our citizens against socialism and communism because those were the enemy. Now that that enemy has largely been removed... Now the biggest communist country in the world is... it's, one of our biggest <laughs> allies, in a sense, well, <laughs> trade-wise. Well, I mean, it's allies is strong, but they're certainly one of the biggest communist countries in the world is actually probably more capitalist than we are. Right. But, but uh, you know, we don't we don't talk about how you know wealth wealth has gone down, and, and there's still communist countries. I mean, truly communist countries, um, Maoist or Leninist or, or what have you, countries like North Korea to a lesser degree, I mean, Cuba, Venezuela. I mean, reason, reason. we don't have as much direct yeah. contact with those so countries. If there is a third way or fourth way or whatnot, a new way, a truly new way that we can incorporate in, in U.S. society, I think anyone's open to it. The thing with capitalism, and there's people my age talking to us, it might not be perfect, but it's better than all the other options. Right. So with that, guys... Thank you all so much for listening. We love to hear from you all. So if you have any questions or comments, please let us know. You can always send us an email to tradingperspectives at oakworth.com, or you can leave us a review on the podcast outlet of your choice. If you like what you've heard today, please tell your friends, neighbors, loved ones. If you didn't like what you hear today, uh, heard today, by all means, tell people that you don't like. Just get out there and talk about trading perspectives. If you're interested in hearing more of what we have to say, you can always check out our blog, Common Sense, and other good curated content underneath the Thought Leadership tab at oakworthcapital.com. Sam, you got anything else for us today? That's all I got. All right. Thanks. Thanks, guys.